Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us from 7500 to Hold. As always, Jack Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, bringing you the latest in Aston Villa news with the Holdcast. Got a special guest today from our SB Nation sister blog, Short Fuse Arsenal blog, of course. Um, so, how's it going, Travis? Doing well. Thank you for having me on this morning. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, Robert, how are you doing this morning? I'm hanging in there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Saturday. Can't wait for that to finally happen. Yeah, I want to wash the, the taste of Burnley and this horrible season out of our mouths hopefully with some silverware. So, yeah, Travis King from the Short Fuse, talking to Arsenal, joining us today. Uh, we were thinking about doing a, uh, a little series, Robert, but looks like we're not going to – maybe we'll hold that till next year. Hold it, hold it till next year. We're, we're, we're thinking if, if you guys listening to the podcast want it, we'll start doing a uh, series of like 15 minutes with uh, our opposition that week and call it You Want Me. <laughs> Which is a brilliant idea. Yeah, I got to get into you. sodes. That's what, that's what we'll call them. Yeah, maybe yes. two, two of us, two of them, just uh, get it going pre-match. Maybe we can get a beat going and do like a freestyle rap battle. Like slamming each other's teams. Epic rap battles of the EPL. <laughs> I love this idea. I, I have it has no to problem. be freestyle. No if written. Freestyle. Yeah, nothing written. If you write it, you're disqualified. You're out. We're never having you on again. The only right. problem I see with this plan is that I can't freestyle to save my life. <laughs> that makes it even better, though. Exactly, yeah. Just muddling <laughs> my way through it. My name's Rob Linton, and I'm here to say we'll begin every rap. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I I think that starts next season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, we we don't really want to talk Burnley because I mean you saw it. It was no one really cared. It looked like on Villa, and it's over because Sherwood saved us, and now he's on to the FA Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that Burnley match was junk. Everyone across the league seemed to be playing like junk that day. Travis, you were talking about uh, just carefully watching the Arsenal match, and then... Yeah, yeah. I have a good friend of mine who's a Liverpool fan, and (laughs) I was intently following Arsenal, not really paying attention to any other score. And all of a sudden, I just get a text from him, just ranting and raving. And I check it, and it's like... I, what's going on here? Like, are they actively sabotaging the club from within? And yeah, it was it was shocking to say the least. But it, it was a very weird Sunday. The title race was already decided. Uh, really, the the last day was down to the final three, and it it was just it was just kind of a weird way to set the season off, if you ask me. But that's from an Arsenal perspective, of course. Yeah, I'd agree. I I think it's I think. Figuring out your champion over the course of a long season and not over the course of one-off playoffs is smart, but it has the danger of leading to a final day that's sort of meaningless. I mean, the only thing we really had going was uh, Hull or Newcastle down in relegation, and it was going to take quite the miracle for it to switch from what we saw happen. So it ends up having kind of a boring last day that no one cares about. Yeah, but isn't it kind of nice after after a long season of just worrying about relegation to not have anything to worry about finally on a match day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, it was really nice to see that the players didn't care and really nice from, like, you know, a live-tweeting perspective that I'm going to get up and make breakfast now because no one cares. Hey, Jed Steer got to play. That's a win in my book. <laughs> finally finally got his chance. Um Andy uh, Marshall, not so much. Are Arsenal salivating at the thought that Jed Steer could be in goal for us? 
Yeah, yeah, we've been uh, we've been losing tons of sleep. Um, we've been <laughs> scheming day in day day night. We've we've got think pieces written up, ready to go in the hopper. Um, yeah, yeah, we're worried. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I mean, you, guys, you lucked out when Danny Welbeck wasn't going to be able to play. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, we're and that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, I his signing was very unique from the standpoint that it was on deadline day, it was in the afternoon, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And while he showed little glimpses and flashes throughout the season, just never really could kind of put it all together throughout the season. So, yeah, maybe it's kind of a similar, similar thing. So I'm, I'm actually curious, since we all, you know, everyone sort of knows what Jack and I think about Aston Villa season, especially since it was in the book by the last time we podcasted. Uh, how are Arsenal fans feeling about the season? Finishing third... Uh, you know, mathematically in that title race, which is saying a lot, until about three weeks ago or so. Yeah. Um, are you guys happy with the season? We better be. Um, I'm. So our piece that we said why you should hate Arsenal, I think it was like the first or second thing I can't remember, but it was Arsenal Twitter. Arsenal Twitter is it's a unique dysfunctional unit of people who have these expectations that we should be something that we're really not. And there are people out there who are mad that we didn't challenge for that title. When all these other previous years, you're talking about the Sunday not meaning anything this year, we've had previous years where it's gone down to the absolute last minute. Um, The West Brom game in 2012 when Karen Gibbs saved that shot with like the 89th minute that was on a wide open goal that would have left us out of the Champions League. We've had those seasons in the very previous, in, in the very recent uh, uh, past year, and it was nice to be able to go into the Sunday with having top four secured, and on top of it, not having to go through the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah it would have been nice. I mentioned that, how you, you don't have to go through the qualifiers. That's that's good for you guys this year and or next year. Yeah. And I think it's because kind of Arsenal went on, went on their season-ending run a little bit early when... World off yeah. eight straight wins, and usually, yeah, like you were saying, usually it's got to do something the last day. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a it's a thing that yes, we've had top four for quite a while now, but it's always been tenuous leading up to the end of the season. And this year, I'll take the third place finish. Chelsea, I predicted them at the beginning of the season they would win, um, and City should have uh, finished above us no matter how up and down their season was. So to finish third place, to finish above uh, Manchester United uh, for a second straight year, uh, I'll take that. And knowing that the type of injuries that we suffered at the very beginning of the year, that we had to play quite a bit of the kids early, uh, and then the form that we displayed when everyone was healthy, yeah, I'll definitely take the setting into next season. Absolutely. So I'm not disappointed, and I hope others uh, certainly aren't. Yeah, I... I can, you know, as Villa fans, we can only dream of a third-place finish right now. Um, so it's always funny to us watching, you know, Arsenal Twitter, as you say. And I, oh, we should be better, and we're going, good God, third place would be heaven. It, uh, it's, it, you really, as an Arsenal fan, and if you're on Twitter, you really have to pare down your Twitter to, like, a very, very select few people that are of clear thinking and rational uh, uh, minds because it can really get pretty silly very fast. I, I wonder if that's a problem with every team, though. Jack, don't don't we seem to have that problem with Aston Villa Twitter from time to time? 
Yeah, at times, but at, at times it's deserved. Like when you give up a hat trick to Saito Mane in less than three minutes. Yeah, and because, you know, Sherwood. I mean, Sherwood. He saved us, but he's done some dumb stuff too. But I mean, there's, there's, to my mind, the even more irrational parts of Twitter who get pissed off that we're not vying for Champions League at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, you, you look at this club the way it's constructed right now, and Champions League potential, if everything broke right, is at least three seasons away. And that's yeah. if everything goes perfectly. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're finally starting to move away from the bottom of the table, I think. I mean, finished 17th this year, but looking at it next year, if Sherwood's even close to a relegation zone at Christmas, he's canned. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think he's got a short... Like, the expectation is changing, but it's still... Like you said, years away from even pushing for the Champions League. Yeah, as sort of Europa a League, though, hmm? Europa League though, yeah, could be on the cards next year and could be dangerous because like look at Hull, they they got there and then they got relegated. Yeah, it, it, you know, depending on what happens there. As sort of a counterpoint to Arsenal Twitter and Villa Twitter, um, Travis, one of our great pastimes is trolling West Brom Twitter. Like there is nothing <laughs> more enjoyable than making the baggies yeah. angry. Who do you guys have for that on Twitter? Is it Tottenham? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's Tottenham first, uh, Tottenham second, uh, Tottenham third, and Spurs fourth. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, with a little bit of Chelsea thrown in, of course, because, you know, it's like, you know, picking on the small kid in the class. Um, but, yeah, without getting into too much of that, uh, uh, Arsenal Spurs hate because it is, it is real. Uh, they just kind of set themselves up for it. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it other than, other than the moment they achieve the most smallest bit of success, it's this further long-term implication of how it's going to be for the next five or six years when it's never that and it never happens. And to watch it fail over and over and over again, it's just it makes for great entertainment. Like when they finished fourth and Chelsea won the Champions League? The best. The you, cheer, you were best. cheering for Chelsea then, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was... Yeah. See, and that was, a, that was an interesting debate then because there were a lot of Arsenal fans who were actually cheering for, for uh, Munich that day because they didn't want Chelsea to be the first club in London to win the Champions League, to which I was yeah. like, I don't really care about that. If, they, if that's something that you want to hang your hat on and say, well, we're the first one to do it, great. That doesn't really do anything for me, but keeping Spurs out, oh yeah, yeah, that that would have been perfect, and it was. So. Wasn't that the match that Brad Friedel was doing commentary for? Yeah, it was one of his first ones with Fox, and he was sitting sitting in the studio and just got trolled. He got to watch his team lose their Champions League spot. That's fantastic. Yeah, it just evaporated right in front of his eyes. <laughs> what yeah. a joy. Um, Poor Brad. <laughs> Hey, but but little Brad, maybe we'll get to play the FA Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd been we'd been talking so much about how Brad Guzan, you know, mentioned a story from as in the Players Tribune, and I linked it again in my technical preview that's coming out today or this evening, probably right around the time of the pod. But anyways, Brad Friedel or Brad Guzan, Cup goalkeeper, saves a ton of penalties against Blackburn, gets Villa to Wembley, and Martin O'Neill puts in Brad Friedel. Yeah, that's the 2010 League Cup, right? Yeah, give us 2015 now, Robert. Yeah, uh, so 2015, uh, Shea Given, the number two keeper, in Brad Guzan's position, puts in a hell of a run. 
uh, a good enough run in the cup that he gets the starting position, and thanks to injury, Brad Guzan, the number one keeper, may get to play at Wembley in the final, which is just perfect justice. If he can outperform Jed Steer in training. The, the good news, I think, for Guzan is that Steer is cup-tied. From oh, what yeah. I've heard. So the bad news from Villa's point is I literally don't know if Given is injured who our backup keeper is. Hey, is, can Hellenius play? Can he put on the gloves? Hold on one second. He's a super tall guy, and he may be able to do that. Um, Jack had to step away for a second. Uh, but yeah, so he, Arsenal fans may be happy to know, Travis, that uh, Shea Given looks like he might be injured. Um, yeah. And Brad Guzan is going to be our first choice. We don't have a backup at that spot. Yeah, well, I mean, we've kind of been there a few times in the past, so uh, obviously not the ideal situation um, to to be faced with the FA Cup final, but eh, I think it'll all be fine. Yeah, absolutely. It. Um, I, I kind of worry, though, because we actually did have a, a backup keeper who none of us have ever seen play, uh, Benjamin Segrist. Um, he's, he's sort of our youth team keeper, and if Given were injured and Guzan were playing, he would have almost certainly made the bench. He broke his leg two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's really, he's like, if you ever have a career mode or football manager with Villa, Seagrass will be a good keeper for you in the future, but he's really young, been on some loan spells, and now he broke his leg and his contract's expiring, so... So, so yeah, Villa, if, if you guys want to go all 1957 Villa and take out Brad Guzan... You could be doing yourself a huge favor because I'm not sure who would play in goal then. Maybe Benteke, just because he's well, a dude. We've had our fair share uh, of keeper incidents lately. We had Ospina um, absolutely level uh, Oscar uh, in the Chelsea match a few weeks ago. So maybe maybe we have the reverse karma. Maybe you guys are going to take out Ospina this week or <laughs> Chesney if he starts. Love it. Love it. I, I, I hope Villa stick to their FA Cup heritage and uh, and do. You gotta embrace it. Yeah, oh, I think absolutely. I think maybe maybe we'll see Bradley Watkins from the youth squad. Is that our backup youth keeper? The name seems familiar. I don't know. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> you you have just demonstrated a deeper knowledge of Villa's keepers than I have ever had. I would go look on Aston Villa's website, but I'd get an autoplay video and it would explode the podcast. <laughs> I do wonder, I mean, could we, like, sign Andy Marshall on an emergency contract as our backup keeper? Possibly. Andy Marshall, after years of never playing for the team and, you know, just being a bench guy and then a coach, makes his debut at Wembley? How amazing would that be? Well, it was like when we were rooting for Gary Monk to have to go in and play because, <laughs> like, he'd get injured for Swans, or someone would get injured for Swans. Yeah. Um... God, I would. I really have no idea what's going to happen there at keeper. Who the backup is? Please don't injure us. That's all we ask. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as we don't have to find out, it'll be a good day. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know about you guys, but when you win a competition or when you win even a match, I'm the type that wants to make sure that it is a a pretty even squad because the the last thing I hate on even my side as well is making excuses like, oh well, we didn't have so and so, or you guys heard us about and. I'd rather have it just be a fair fight. Yeah, yeah. That's but. like that's like I was I was thinking. Oh, it would have been nice to play Reading, but if you don't beat actual good teams, you don't mm -hmm. really deserve the cup. And we beat Liverpool, so I don't even know if that counts. 
Well, and that was a little bit of what kind of happened last year. There were a few people who were like, well, yeah, you beat Hull in the final. Like, yeah, it was a weak okay, final well, four. Yeah, well, yeah, true. I mean, we did have a pretty tough run up to mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. the final. But, I mean, there were a few people who were kind of uh, slaying us for beating Hull, which they, they did provide us a pretty stiff challenge. So I, of course, was like, well, they were full strength and it was a good fight. But you will have people out there who will say, oh, well, you only beat Hull or you beat has to deal with their backup, backup keeper. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want that conversation to ever happen. I just want it to mm-hmm. be maybe Aston Villa or Aston Villa beat Arsenal because it was a fair, evenly Yeah, not, not because, like, I don't know, Walcott's leg exploded or something, you know. <laughs> Same thing. Right, I, which I, I would be very which, nervous which, about. Thanks, thanks to him for canning West Brom. I can't believe he didn't, hadn't brought that up. But oh, yeah, man. hey, no problem. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic finishes, like, Oh, gosh, every one of those goals. Well, and you saw, well, and the one good thing about Arsenal Twitter was is that when you uh, mobilize them, they apparently win polls. I don't know if you saw it, but the BBC had their goal of the year, and it was, uh, so you had Charlie Adams strike uh, versus Chelsea. You had Coutinho's yeah. amazing strike, and the winner of their goal of the year was Wilshire's volley in the last game versus West Brom, which it was a good match. That was or, a I'm sorry, the goal that was a rocket. But it was a rock. It was a rocket. But it's just funny how uh, you mobilize uh, you mobilize uh, Arsenal Twitter, and they can do pretty amazing things. And polls. Yeah, that's that's just, I mean, that's that's how the media works this day. Everything's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, but no, I would I'll still argue that, that I would still argue that Wilshire's goal was better than Charlie, Charlie Adams, just because that's more of a fluke. But that's just me. So I will say I admire your uh, moral uprightness in saying that I want to win a fair fight and and I want to win this game, you know, in a way that no one can criticize us and say maybe you you weren't playing the best team. I'm not going to have that at all. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't fault you. Uh, if Arsenal you know, get a couple of crappy red cards and Villa get a penalty that they shouldn't have gotten, it's still going to be an FA Cup win and the first one since '57. We don't we don't have one 365 days ago to fall back on. We'll right, still, right. We'll still be saying you what, mate? You what, mate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna ride that one to the grave if it happens that way. Yeah. Um, yep. You, you know, I don't fault people. I don't fault people for for saying that. You know, in the type of season that you guys had, it would be a nice little way to cap it off. So. Yeah, absolutely. If, if it does take. It'd be. It'd be different if we were like top six caliber team. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you yeah. understand that, obviously. Yeah. Right. You had Paul Lambert, so I'm not gonna fault you. Hey, he he won the Champions League with Dortmund. It was like 18 years ago today. I was I saw something tweeted. And I was like, really? oh, wow. Oh. Huh. So he does know how to win. <laughs> just just yeah, not. Yeah, him yeah. Up. He was actually like, yeah, he was good. He was a good midfielder. And there's he started for them. So the thing that everyone forgets about Paul Lambert is he got two years in a row promoted with Norwich. I mean, yeah. he's a guy yeah, who he, knows what he's doing. He just we were going to have him to take take six off the Canaries next year. I, I'm so excited that they're back up. Yeah. We, we need all the points we can get. We, we don't have the insider info, though. What was that? We don't have the insider info. That's, that's true. You know, We're missing that, and, and we don't have Grant Holt helping us out. Oh, my God. I, I'm glad they came back up because I, I felt bad they were going down. but. Yeah. Um, so we talked about you know our big injury at the keeper. We've also got um, Yora Sikori looks at the miss. Uh, which sucks because we mean we've got Nathan Baker and Ron Vlar and no backup center backs. 
Um, it, I mean, it only really sucks because Baker is just coming back from an injury and hasn't played. Yeah, and in, I, I guess my worry isn't even that because I think Baker can handle it. My worry is that Baker is made of porcelain. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly, and that's why. I mean, with Baker, yeah. You, like, you need a substitute for Baker. Eight matches in a row and be fine. And then, like, he'll play, get hurt, and then come back from that injury get hurt within 12 minutes of playing the next match. Yeah, you need that substitute for him. And and maybe Okora has enough in him to be a sub or something. And it, at least it's not a Diego Costa situation. Like, <laughs> didn't inject him with horse placenta and then sub him off after eight minutes. Like, that's uh, just worst possible scenario. Yeah. Um, what about the Arsenal injury situation? What are you guys facing? Well, as you, as we talked about with uh, Danny uh, Welbeck, he'll be out. Um, I did see here that both uh, Debussy and uh, Oxley Chamberlain are going to be fit, but I highly doubt that either one of them start. Uh, I mean, they both have played rarely uh, the past and few Bellerin's months. Been good. What's that? Bellerin's been pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing is that. Uh, Tabushi, while you always hate to see someone lose their place due to injury, uh, it's kind of hard to sit there and say, well, yeah, you should immediately come back when uh, Bellerin's put in the type of performances that he has so far. Um, to think that he was actually almost ready to go back out on loan again. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's also, it's like classic Arsenal situation. Right, with you know Which, the whole Fritz I mean, he is, I've been watching him for, I don't know, a couple years, and I was like, when's he going to break through? But... Yeah. I mean, Debussy, Debussy would be good on the bench. He could fill in as center back. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting next year what happens because Debussy is going to be 30 next year, um, and he did sign, I want to say, for a three-year contract. Someone will probably correct me on that. But if you're Arsene Banger starting next season, seeing what Bellerin put in and the type of uh, ability to – kind of get away with some poor defensive mistakes with the speed that he has, at the same time being a much, much uh, bigger threat uh, supporting the attack, it's going to be hard to sit there and say, well, yeah, Dubushi's going to be starting half the matches next year. You might see a little bit of rotation, but Bellerin's going to get the majority of the starts. I mean, at least you do have four four competitions from the start of year, so you, you have a lot of matches. And he is under contract until 2019. I just looked just it up, but... Uh, yeah, quite a long time, really. Hmm. Yeah, that's longer than I thought. Because then we also have uh, Jenkinson supposedly uh, coming back on loan from West Ham. So that's three right backs that we... He played all right for them, too. He did. Yeah, he had a few uh, pretty good matches for him. and He's always had the talent as well. He filled in for Sanya when he was hurt back in 2012 and put in some really good matches, notably against uh, Manchester City away. So he has the talent as well. So it's going to be interesting how Vanker uh, ends up uh, figuring out this right-back situation. It's kind of like Villa. We have a ton of right-backs and really no no left-backs that we like. <laughs> he started yeah. Charles and Zogbia at left-back on Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that was a thing that happened. And, and only because the weekend before we had started Alan Hutton and realized he was terrible. And Kieran Richardson's out, and Ali Sissoko's out, and I, so we started Charles flipping in Zogbia. And we had three other left backs on loan. Yeah, Antonio Luna and Joe Bennett, and who's the third? Enda Stevens, do we oh, still God. have him? Is that still I, is, a thing? Louis Kinsella from the youth team, that would have been like, he'd made the bench a couple times. Yeah, I think Stevens, didn't we end up signing him off? Didn't we try no, I think, to Yeah, I think we 
I don't know. It was, I think Mike Drenning flogged off to Shamrock Rovers. I don't remember, though, what we did with Stevens. Yeah, I have no idea. But, yeah, so really we, we don't have any good left backs. And the really crappy part is this time last year we had Ryan Bertrand at left back. Who went on to, yeah, who went on to Southampton to have a one of the best left back seasons in the Premier League. Yep. Yeah. And And we just couldn't convince him to stay at Villa, and I don't blame him for it either. Yeah, considering that, again, that was still the Paul Lambert days, I, I, I probably would have left, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and even I mean, now, if, 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 he had, if he got the same wage as he was getting at Southampton, I think he could have stayed or around then, around there, maybe yeah. 5000 more. But um, And even now, though, I mean, if you wanted to play for Southampton rather than Villa, who could really blame you all that much? Southampton are a team that are ridiculously well-run right now. Phenomenally. Um, they're they're a team that I'm not sure if they can crack the top five that, that you know the top six I mean maybe one year they hit up there somewhere I don't think they can routinely do it but they're a team who could set themselves up for routine top eight finishes. Yeah, they they had us scared for well over two thirds of the season. You know we kind of joked about it early in the season like yeah that's not sustainable. You know they're in second place right now and then as the season kept going on it's like okay, when are these guys going to go away? And on New Year's Day, they absolutely punked us at St. Mary's, just ran right over us. And it was at that moment where we were kind of like, yeah, we need to be worried about these these guys. They're good. It's not the Southampton of, yeah, yeah there's, there's, they're still selling every, <clears throat> excuse me, they're still selling all their players, but they're able to reload with even better ones at a cheaper price. It was just like, who, is, who are these guys? What are they doing? My yeah, I mean, if you you huge clubs keep just feeding them cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liverpool. My my favorite yeah. story of this season was that you know regardless of what the table says, I think we could all agree that Southampton had a better season than Liverpool the year after they sold their team to Liverpool. Yes. Oh yeah. Like and so so yeah, they Luke, ostensibly downgraded and did way better than Liverpool did. Um and and again it's one of those things that you you balance it based on expectations because. What the table says is that Liverpool ended up with a better season, but I don't think you would find anyone arguing that. The way I see it is they upgraded their squad and put $65 million in the bank. Yeah, that's exactly the sort of thing they should be doing. I mean, that's what Villa might need to be looking to do with Benteke. If you can upgrade your squad and break even, you're doing it right, because you're going to make a lot off the TV money now. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they did show you can't just try to fill it with the youth squad. If, if you have money, you got to spend it. Same as Swansea. They've I put them in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another really well-run club. And I, it's a common theme for us at our, you know, um, with Arsenal fans, and especially with the short fuse. What we keep trying to tell everyone is that going back to that EPL TV money and kind of relating it to you guys, the sky's the limit. To be honest, for all EPL teams, and if you could find you have a manager that people want to play for and a guy who at least scout talent. The average salaries right now in the EPL are such where you're going to be able to steal players that normally would be going playing for pretty big clubs in Italy and Spain and France and Germany and being able to convince them to play and compete in the EPL um, for the salaries alone. When you can offer up the money that you are offering up in the EPL right now, you'll be able to reload. And Villa has the history. They have the fan support. They have the stadium. They have the environment to really foster a place that people want to go to. So while you guys did finish 17th this year, um, and me being obviously a, a Tim Sherwood fan, 
I think that you're, it's a three-year project, you said, but I think it could be done earlier if you find the right guys in the market. Yeah, and maybe maybe one of your guys, Tom Fox, the new CEO. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. if, like your, I like what you were saying of how if as long as the money's going to be there, as long as you have the right guys in place to make the right decisions, get the right players in, and if they like the manager, who knows? I mean, it's not instant, but a couple years, Europa League Champions yeah. League maybe. Right. Spending money doesn't guarantee success. I mean, look at what Liverpool did after the Suarez, with the Suarez money, and look at what Tottenham did with the yeah, look at QPR. mail money. Right, exactly. QPR, where they're just like, you know, spending money because money they're, everything and they're, yeah, they're itching. In the like, dam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chris Samba, 100000 a week. Yeah, here you go. I can't believe the Russian club Angie took him back. They're like, oh, we, we actually feel bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it, I really do believe that you guys are on the right path. And uh, regardless of what happens on uh, over the weekend here, um, Villa's going to be back, I think. Good. We we appreciate it because me and Robert, or Robert and I, kind of kind of think the same way. I think about Villa is like, you know, it's been bad lately, but who knows? My my well, favorite thing is if you extrapolate the number of points that Tim Sherwood got since he took over, over the course of a full season, and I think his his schedule was fairly representative of what a full season would be. Um, if you extrapolate that to a full season, Villa would have finished either ninth or tenth. I can't remember what the final number was. Um, yeah. And and that's not great. That's not, you know, you hold a huge celebration, hire a bus type thing. But at this point, if Villa finish ninth or 10th next season, that's the building block on which they push forward for one of those Europa spots. Hey, and that's a squad right. he inherited, too. He hasn't had a transfer window to work with yet, so... Yeah, absolutely. He's going to so, Carlos Hill, but, which sucks, but... Yeah, so, I mean, you, you can see the potential there, and I, I think you're right. And I think Sherwood... Uh, for all his faults, might be the right man for this project. He, I think there's, I've been trying to pinpoint how I feel about uh, Tim Short from the standpoint of how does Tim Short feel about himself, but I don't know if he like lacks like self-awareness or if he's just that brutally honest and doesn't really care what he says, but I find it refreshing. I, I love his quotes, I love his demeanor, and I think that kind of rubs off on some of the players. Uh, I, I remember last year when he took over uh, at, at Spurs and he had actually Emmanuel Adebayor bought in, at which point I'm like, if you could buy an Adebayor at this stage in his career, you're doing something right, you know? And I think that he's one of those type of managers that he may not be the most tactically gifted guy and he may not be this genius of a, of a mind, but people kind of seem to gravitate towards him when he's when the, he's part of the squad, when he's part of the club, and you can kind of see that happening with Villa. So if they actually give him a longer leash than what Tottenham did, you might start seeing some things happen. Yeah, I was I mean, on it's a kind of, kind of cliche. Sorry, Robert, but I think he's a winner. But yeah. Yeah, I was on a podcast last night and uh, talking about what you were just saying, Travis. I'm not sure if he's really hyper self-aware. Um, <laughs> and and is is making all of these blowhard sort of a-hole quotes totally knowing what he's doing, or if he's totally ignorant of what an ass he sounds like. And yeah. I'm also not sure which scenario is funnier to me. It, it, whatever it is, keep doing it. Because yeah. even as a neutral, even when he was on with, with Spurs, it was kind of like, this guy actually is entertaining. He actually is making Tottenham entertaining. And uh, now that he's away from them and at a club that I have no ill feelings for, it's like, do you, you know? Yeah, I think I think my favorite thing is that we get to contrast twice this year. Um, 
twice this year Villa have had that that guy on the team that you know everyone else sort of hates. We had Roy Keane earlier in the year, who's just an asshole unrepentantly, and we had Tim Sherwood. And both of them sort of fall into that when he's your guy, you love him, and when he's not, you kind of hate him, or a lot of people hate him. Uh-huh. Yeah, like Mourinho. But I feel like Sherwood is is a less unrepentant asshole than Roy Keane is. Uh, it, they're not even, not even in the same realm. Uh, he, whereas Sherwood might be kind of grating on people or irritating... Roy Keane's, that's who Roy Keane is. I, I, I think that that's the way, the way he is in real life when you get him away from the sport, when he's dealing with other people in normal situations, like going to the to get a coffee. I think that's the way he is at all times. And there's just something light and fun about Sherwood that, yeah, he may say, say some pretty ridiculous, insane stuff, but I don't think he has any sort of ill intent behind it where you could pretty much say that Roy Keane had much more behind the statements than than anything else. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Sherwood's a little more innocent, I guess, maybe. Yeah. That's yeah. my word for it. Sherwood's like, like an annoying puppy dog that just keeps bouncing around your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of Ooh. course there's that absolute wonderful picture of the from of Sherwood, Tony Adams and uh Martin Keown back in the mid nineties that looks like that boy band picture, which I will never stop looking at it's the best thing ever it's it's awesome and that is also another way that I could describe Tim Sherwood is just like yeah this is me I don't care I, I think my, my favorite Sherwood picture is the saluting Adebayor picture um, yes. just because he's got this dopey grin on his face that says I know how stupid this is but the player's buying into it so what the hell right he Absolutely. almost does it because everyone says he can't do it it's like you couldn't play Adebayor that's not going to work he's like I'll show them like Right, you know, right. Like, you want mate? And and I mean, <laughs> and the interesting thing, bringing it back a little bit to the cup, is is we know Tim Sherwood's flaws. We saw them against Southampton. We saw them against Burnley. Um, he sets a lineup. He sets a tactic, and he's unable to change it. Um, so QPR so was I, the worst of it. He's like the anti-Sunderland. He could he could never save it for a draw. He could never be like, all right, bunker lads. Yeah. Um, so I guess the real question for the FA Cup is does he choose the right setup to face Arsenal? So what do you think the right setup against Arsenal would be? To me? Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, no, it's all right. No, my post <laughs> on the website, they, they're, they can already read that. <laughs> uh, so I, I know we were talking about it earlier before we started, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if Tim Sherwood's going to necessarily have the patience at this point of the competition, the final, to play Arsenal the way that he should, which is if he's been paying attention, which I'm sure he has, to Arsenal's match versus Chelsea and the Swansea match, is to allow Arsenal to make the mistakes deep in the half and to absolutely counter him and hit him on some possibly sloppy goals. Um, Because the moment that I think any team tries to play Arsenal the way that Arsenal wants them to play, which is free-flowing, attacking up up and down the pitch, it's probably the time that Arsenal scores three quick on you, as we saw versus uh, uh, even West Brom even a little bit. It was kind of weird to see West Brom playing a little bit more uh, loose than they normally do under 20 Pulis. Uh, and so I, I think that we have the the playmakers and Ozil who can find the space. Um, and it's going to be interesting if Wilshire plays as well because he's another guy that can exploit uh, uh, some space as well with his dribbling ability. Uh, but if he has the patience to play 
further back and allow Wilshire to make the mistakes and, and cut off the space that Ozil has and to neutralize uh, Alexis and to counter on that as well, it could turn out to be pretty well for, for Villa, I think. See, there, I, I agree with you. I think there's two ways it could go. Villa could try to keep that high line and try to try to pressure like Wilshire or uh, Coquelin like deep, try to win the ball in a good area. Or Arsenal could be just nailing all their passes and put it together and just, I don't know, cut, cut Villa to pieces. You right. know, if, if you go with the high line. It, it was um, the match that I'm thinking about in my head, because I think if we can erase the two Arsenal-Villa matches this year on the account that, that Villa's a different team a different club right now uh, than they were in those two. But the match that I keep going back to is the 1-0 victory that Arsenal had last year at White Hart Lane. Rosicki scored that goal in like the second minute, but then Spurs went out and basically outplayed us for the next 88 minutes. We were lucky to hang on, but Sherwood had a heck of a plan, and it really wasn't even sitting back either. I think he probably had a little bit more weapons, a little bit uh, probably better players at his disposal. No offense. He had, he had but, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's obviously the difference maker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I think that, and that's kind of, I mean, I remember at one point where he threw his jacket in disgust, and it wasn't necessarily, it was kind of a, uh, it really wasn't a, a, a moment where it was going to define the match, but you could just see that he felt that he could get Arsenal, and he damn near did that day. So it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be very interesting to see how he sets up because I think that on one hand, if he actually keeps a high line and, and tries to attack Arsenal the way that we want him to, we're going to tear him apart. But, you know, he almost did get us last year with, with Tottenham. So. And, and what do you think the issue with that high line is specifically, Jack? I know you were saying that, you know, there's a real chance that that high line gets torn apart, but what's, what's the issue with it? A little bit is losing Akora's pace. He's a pretty quick guy. Um, the second is just that this group hasn't played together a lot, and I think it comes down to communication, playing that offside trap. Um, you don't know, because you're not used to who the goalkeeper is even. I think we've seen Given command the back line a little better, but Guzan a little better, little better instinctive shot stopper, and I think his reactions are, are a bit quicker than Shea. Yeah, and certainly a better aerial keeper than Shea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more command of the area come out, catch the crosses, punch them away. And I think a lot of it might have to do about uh, Theo Walcott's status. Um, if Arsene Wenger actually plays him ahead of Giroud, which has been talked about uh, leading up to this week, that'll be interesting from the standpoint of if he, or if he plays Giroud and Walcott on the same side. A Walcott versus a high line can be pretty deadly from the standpoint of all, if you get Ozil space and time to spot those passes, he'll just pepper balls over and over and over over that line. So I think that might have that might alter his plan somewhat too. If Walcott doesn't start, then you may see him play a little bit higher line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not like Alexis Sanchez is a slow guy either. Right. Right. And, and he's uh, been deadly this year. He's been incredible. He's been deadly. He's been de he really had a great he first half. It. Yeah. Uh, his second half's kind of, I think you can kind of see the fatigue coming down a little bit on him. Uh, but, I mean, kudos to the guy. He showed up for every single match it seemed like and played his heart out, even though he kind of showed his weaknesses and uh, the same things that we see in Wilshire and being dispossessed pretty easily with the, on the dribble and uh, making some 
ill-timed passes. But yeah, with when he's shooting, it's an absolute uh, amazing thing to watch. The the really fascinating thing to me is, like you said, uh, Sanchez sort of had, you know, that un- incredible start and then slowed down a little bit, but the club just managed to fill in for him. It it wasn't. You know, when Benteke's not firing for Villa, we don't have a lot of options, and there isn't much there. When Sanchez wasn't firing for Arsenal, it was you guys had other options. Um, well, it, it was nice because what happened was is Sanchez was firing for us when we needed him to because everyone else was hurt. So we were having to rely on Sanchez to be not only the playmaker but the goal scorer as well. And when he started to kind of have that, it downturn, and I put it in quotes because it's like it really wasn't a, a huge downturn. It was nice because we had everyone healthy. We didn't have to rely on Alexis to do everything like he did in the first half of the season. So mm-hmm. um, that it, it was the perfect timing, if you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think the keys to this match are going to be? Is is it? Because I was asked last night, what would a Villa have to do to win this? And I said they have to score goals, and I don't mean that in the stupid cliche. You can't win without scoring goals, hence. I mean, we're going to probably give up a couple, and we need to score three type of a thing. Do you see that as being yeah. sort of the, the way this thing is going to go? Um, well, yeah, they, they will need to score goals. <laughs> um, oh. But I, I think it, it, it kind of goes back to, I guess, how Sherwood plays uh, Arsenal from the standpoint of, does he play further back and allow Arsenal to attack him, or does he... Does he pressure? Because I think either way, I think that uh, while he's been a pretty good um, defensive midfielder in the truest sense of defensive midfielder, I think if they're able to exploit Copeland, uh, or the Villa that is, and be able to make sure that you can cut off any sort of lanes that he has for passing, he has very limited passing uh, uh, range, that's going to probably be the difference for Villa. At the same time, though, I think that if we can be able to utilize Casorla and Ozo in the middle, assuming, of course, both start, which I'm pretty sure of, uh, and being able to have that center of the midfield to where you can play off of uh, guys like Giroud, Alexis, hopefully Theo Walcott if he's healthy, and be able to get um, Bellerin into space as well with the ball, I think that's where it's going to probably end up uh, being a key for Arsenal on, on Saturday. But, you know... It seems to always work out very differently than I always say. So I say that with a very large grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we know that from, from a year of podcasting. Whatever we predicted happens the other way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I, I seem to have that unique ability to be like, I think it's going to go this way, and then it goes the totally opposite way. I'm like, shows what I know. <laughs> yeah, the, the curse, the commentator. Right. <laughs> You're not, I hope you didn't put a bunch of money on it. <laughs> well, I mean, they're paying Thierry Henry absurd money at Sky to say things like Olivier Giroud is basically awful for uh, Arsenal and that they need to sign five new players this summer. So if he can say that sort of thing, then I could say this sort of thing. Well, that's because they drive news to their site. Oh, yeah. it's, it's And Banger it's commented on that last week, but... But it, 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 it does kind of put into perspective, I'm like, well, they get paid a ton of money to say incorrect things, so I guess I could be fine saying that that's the way Arsenal's going to play. Yeah, we're not getting paid nearly as much as they are. No. Yeah, get, get your hot takes for free here. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, it comes down to, to what lineup Finger goes with. So many options and just figuring out what players 
gel the best together, I guess. And it, not necessarily for this game, just going forward, seeing like when to rotate, I guess. In Vigor's shown, like he, he rotated for uh, West Brom, um, and I think that was to prepare for uh, this weekend. But he's shown that when he has the confidence of the 11 guys that he feels are best, he's not going to rotate much. So I, I still mm-hmm. think that like guys like Monreal, who have been uh, pretty steady at left back all year, are going to get the start. I think it's going to be the lineup that most people expect from Arsenal. Uh, the only thing that I'm curious to see is how he gets Walcott involved, obviously, especially with this performance versus West Brom. Um, yeah, and- I was thinking he plays him on the right wing just because our left back situation is... Garbage. Which, yeah, and if that is the case, then I could easily see him uh, uh, linking up that way. Um, the only problem with Walcott is that he's shown in the past on that right wing to not support Bellerin uh, back in defense, mm-hmm. and Bellerin's already kind of green in terms of uh, his defensive game. So if there is a spot that, uh, if Walcott does play on the right, there is a spot that Villa can't exploit it with those two on the side, it would be that, that, that combo right there. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you go, and then if you're you're up a goal 60 minutes on, you sub will cut off for another defender. Because we've defender, seen, yep. seen Wenger do that in the past. And, yep, exactly. I mean, when you have that quality of defenders, I would I would do that as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's going to be interesting, but I think that if I am a betting man, that Walcott does start. I just don't I, know yeah, exactly. I put him in my lineup. I'm not. Sh- yeah, I, I wasn't sure if I said Gibbs would start. I guess I wasn't sure about also in defensive midfield. I guess because if, if it's in that four-two-three-one, if if it'd be Cockle and Gathola or I mean, excuse me, Wilshire. I, the way that Cockle's played, especially uh, paired up with Gazorla, who's been really good uh, being asked to play deeper to help support Cockle uh, uh, when in possession. Um, I don't think that Wenger um, moves off of that, knowing that the form that they've had together and the run that they've had together. Um, the only thing with that is that it's, it pushes Ramsey out wide. It pushes either one of Ramsey or Ozil out wide, which yeah. we're not necessarily a fan of because both operate really well in the center, which is why people who aren't really high up on Copeland, it's well, that's the reason why. He needs that support of Santi Casorla back there to – kind of be his handcuff, essentially, with the ball. Because you, you neutralize Coquelin by himself, he's an absolute liability. So. so one thing that we did want to talk about uh, is a little bit of FA Cup history. Since, since I think we've dissected this match from every possible angle, at least going forward. Um, yeah, sorry for, sorry for boring you, just talking about who's going to start. Why? What's that? That's exactly what people want to hear. God, going by page views on the site, that's the sort of thing that people love. Um, but I, I kind of love the history aspect of this. Arsenal have gone a, you know, a gut-wrenching you know, 500,000, 600 minutes, whatever it is, from rent since you've last won an <laughs> FA Cup. And uh, Villa haven't done it for nearly 60 years at this point. Um so, so what does this sort of a thing mean to an Arsenal fan at this point? Is you the great drought of the two thousands is over? Yeah, which was highly blown out of proportion thanks to guys like Piers Morgan who needed you know four or five cups a year and money spent all over the place, and which then of course fueled people's uh, anger on Twitter, which then snowballed into something the media picked up on. But you know, I'm not judgmental or mad or upset at that, um, <laughs> but. 
it, 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 this does mean a lot. And I think that any fan who says, well, it's just the FA Cup, and, you know, we, but we still lost to Monaco in the round of 16 yet again for the fifth straight season, they, it, they need to have their expectations in line. Um, we are a big club. Uh, we do have money. We have a nice stadium. We also aren't Chelsea. We're not City. And we're not United. We're about where we should be. And I think that if you were to ask the players themselves, would you take the type of season you've had and then take the FA Cup, they'd absolutely agree and say, yes, we would. This is a big thing. And, um, you know, it, w- it would be our, I don't I could probably look it up here, I think 14th FA Cup, which would be an incredible achievement in its own right as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a great competition. Um, and anyone who says otherwise, I wouldn't listen to them. Yeah. Uh, let me check two, four. Yeah, it's not. It's not the league cup like the Mickey Mouse Cup where you can get people give a lot of flack for that. It's the oldest knockout yeah. tournament in association football. It would you know, be it's, your, it's a tournament with a lot of history. It would be your twelfth uh, FA Cup. Twelfth. According to the infographic that'll be going up on our site soon. I know <laughs> what Villa have seven because it was us and Liverpool both had seven. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we've got the seven. Uh, the last coming in 1957, uh, which we had an awesome article on the site by Adam Clark on, what day was that? I'm so screwed up with the four-day week this week, uh, Wednesday. Um, Adam, if you guys didn't see it, it's it's one of the coolest things I think we've ever run on the site. You should absolutely go check it out. Adam uh, did his weekly tactical review, but instead of focusing on the Burnley match that no one cared about, he instead went back and watched the entire film of the 1957 FA Cup and did a tactical review of that. What were your thoughts, Jack? Yeah, I, I thought it was great. We were saying how how uh, both teams were in the two three five, the WM, and then yeah, I mean the gifts. The gifts are the best part. The the gifts are absolutely fantastic. You got uh, you got McParland taking out the United keeper with a great rugby tackle. <laughs> yeah, it was almost like an NFL tackle. He just shoulder charged him to the face. Yeah, just came running in. And there were no subs then. Yeah, and and no question in my mind that would have been a straight red card instantly. Yeah, uh, probably like a 10-game ban. Yeah, Um, just incredible. But then McFarland comes along and scores uh, the two goals against a 10-man United. Um, To United's credit in that match, though, they, with an outfield player in goal, and down to 10 men, they kept the first half scoreless and kept it competitive. They only, uh, Villa only won 2-1 in that match. Yeah, yeah, and that was, that was a good United side, and yeah, Adam mentioned that as well. It, it was the Busby uh, team before the air disaster. Yeah, right before Munich, yeah. So, so you know, the, the height of their powers from that side. And so for Villa to win, that was pretty incredible. But as much Villa, as I love... Villa always need a little bit of magic to win something since the Victorian era, I think. <laughs> and in '83, beating Bayern, I—I I mean, I've, I've watched that match as well, and every chance was going to Munich. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it gives me a chance to talk about you know now that you mentioned the Victorian era, my as much as I love Adam's story, my very favorite piece of history from this whole thing is uh, the 1905 Aston Villa Cup winners featuring whose great great grandfather Jack? Jack Grealish, incredible, <laughs> incredible. Billy Garrity, yeah, he was. Villa, Villa man, and what what were you saying? You commented, I think, if Villa can win the FA, or if a member of the Grealish family can win the FA Cup every 110 years. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I'm looking forward to a wee little as yet unborn Grealish winning this thing in uh, 21-25. Would that be right? Yeah, 21-25. I'm good with math, I promise. Um, but yeah, this uh, that to me is just absolutely amazing. Jack Grealish is going to be starting in Wembley in the FA Cup final 110 years after his great-great-grandfather won the FA Cup final for Aston Villa at Wembley. Just, I think people don't know about Grealish because they're like, oh, well, when's he going to leave Villa? They don't know his, his family is Villa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do Arsenal fans, because we're so insulated, we all love Grealish, because he's been with the club since he was like seven, he grew up a Villa fan, he's this wonder kid. What does the rest of the world think of Jack Grealish? Um, I'm probably a very, uh, probably the wrong guy to ask, but I, I've heard about Grealish, but I never really, because again, he I, now, if you recall, he didn't feature again in either of the, the Villa matches uh, versus no, Arsenal this year, so we haven't had a chance to watch him uh, really up close and personal. Uh, but the storyline is very similar to that, from what I'm hearing, of Carl Jenkinson, who's out on loan to uh, West Ham. His family's been lifelong Arsenal supporters. He's been an Arsenal supporter, supporter all of his life. And it's ask any Arsenal fan, it killed him, everyone, to see Jenkinson go out on loan. And still kind of feels a little weird because he loves the club so much. He's one of those guys that you'd almost have to force him out if you were to sell him. And um, so, I, while I can't really answer anything about like how Arsenal fans feel about Grealish, I can tell you there's a guy that we have that's very much like that. He just so happens to be out on loan at West Ham right now. And yeah. it's when when uh, Jenkinson scored last year versus Norwich in the celebration, you like. I had tears in my eyes because, I mean, his first goal for, for uh, Arsenal, and he just, he, you could see the absolute uh, happiness and excitement in, in him, and it was, it was something to, to behold, so. Yeah, uh, the, the good news is uh, I, I'm fairly certain if Grealish scores at Wembley in the FA Cup final, they're going to have to rebuild Wembley afterwards because the half that's housing the Claret and the Blue is just going to tear that place down. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those things. He was he had a good goal scoring record in U twenty one. He'd just been seemingly the one thing he's been afraid of this year is taking that shot. Um, and so, if he does that, if it's just in my head, that is the dream. I you know if Benteke wins it for us, cool. If literally anyone wins it for us, cool. But if Grealish wins it for us, I I can't even comprehend what that would be like to see him score his first senior goal at Wembley in the FA Cup final would be just about the coolest moment I can possibly imagine. Yeah, we've been hoping for it for a couple of weeks, and we're like, well, is, is he going to score? Is he going to score? Well, hopefully Wembley. Yeah, at this point, just save it for Wembley, lad. And as an Arsenal fan, if you guys were to win it, that would be a cool way to see it. <laughs> and, and you won't it be would heartbroken. Be. No, I mean, yeah, I'd be heartbroken, but it would be – the scene itself that you describe is one that – we have a very, very uh, good understanding about because of what we've seen with uh, Jenkinson. Yeah. Uh, everyone loves him for being a gooner. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, there was a moment last year, it was after the FA Cup win when he embraced his dad in the stands. And, I mean, oh, I'm just saying it right now. It's like those emotions are just, like, so, like, on edge because you just you could see how much it meant to both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that Jack has got to get going here, so we want to wrap it up really quickly here. Yeah, I want to say thanks for joining us, Travis. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. You guys are awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us.
we'll hope to have you back next next year in a new series. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great idea, and uh, keep your freestyle <laughs> rapping ready. Something similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Good luck on Saturday. Just not as much luck, you know. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. We don't do predictions anymore, but yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's like, oh, I think Arsenal's gonna lose. No. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, I would well, never have, say that. Yeah, and have a great day, and yeah, we'll talk to you next season too. Sounds great, guys. Take uh, care. You too. And for us, before we wrap up, uh, we just wanted to plug a quick thing that if you've been on the site at all this week, you've absolutely seen because we've been doing it every single day in every single store. Uh, we're doing a fundraiser for the Villa Rockets Power Chair Football Club. Um, if yeah, you don't it's for know, a really great call, so that's that's why you've been seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't know the Villa Rockets, um, power chair football is motorized wheelchairs uh, that allow people who couldn't otherwise play football because of muscular dystrophy, because of any sort of condition that doesn't allow them to play football. This gives them the chance to play football. It It's an absolutely incredible organization, and they're doing incredible work. They let anyone of any age and any competitive level come and play with them, um, and they need money to make their thing work. Uh, they yeah, need to be unfortunately, able Unfortunately, even though they, they have the villain name, they're not financially supported by them. Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking to try to get them a new power chair this year. The good news is if we don't hit our goal, it was an ambitious goal. If we don't hit our goal, every single penny will still go to them, and they'll be able to cover costs that will help them keep running and help them keep supporting uh, people who can't play the game that we all love so much. So it's an absolutely great cause, and if you can donate anything, please do. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and we, we do want to say thank you to Matt Kendrick at the Birmingham Mail of, or for getting the piece out there to raise more awareness for us. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, too, to Aston Villa Review, who gave it a shout-out on their podcast this week, too. Yeah, so anything, anything else on fundraiser? I think that's I think that's it. Just please donate. We'd really appreciate it. Sorry, some like people show up to work like 25 minutes early, so it's kind of <laughs> awkward. But, no, uh, no worries. We'll, we'll get you going so you can go do some baseball. Yeah, and we will have, uh, of course – a review of the final next week and all the off-season news that we skipped today. So remember, we're still on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, or YouTube. we're not on SoundCloud. I don't YouTube. think. No, not on SoundCloud. <laughs> Sorry. Stitcher. Stitcher. But uh, yeah, Stitcher. That's what I was thinking of. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll have all the coverage for you on Saturday for the final. <laughs>